What a wonderful time of worship that we have. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful truth? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I was thinking about it as our brother was sharing that um, it's a real gift of God. It's a gift of God for him to be able to give us something that we couldn't do ourselves. It was impossible. It was impossible for man to say, I can save myself or even I can come into a relationship with God. Yet God said, I'll do it. I'll, I will do that. And the blood of Jesus washes away every sin. I wonder what sin you need to be washed away this morning. I wonder what guilt perhaps or shame you're feeling this morning. I imagine there are a lot of people listening this morning who have lots of regrets, lots of shame, perhaps even some shame or some guilt. And the blood of Jesus washes away the guilt and the shame. That's a gift. That's the gift of God. And this morning, I pray that as you listen to God's word, you're able to understand a little bit more about this wonderful gift where God comes into our lives and says, you know what, I don't want to be just someone on the shelf that you pick up when you need me. I want to be every part of your life. I want to be every part of what you do. In fact, I know every part of your life and I want to be that. And I pray this morning you can do that. Jesus went to places that others dared not to go. Jesus went to places where people were scared to go. Jesus went to the leper. He went and said, I'm willing to make you clean. He touched him because he went to places where others said, oh, that's too hard. That's too difficult. I don't want to do that. They smell. They're bad. They're this. And so he went to places to the extent where people mocked him and called him things like a drunkard and a, and a glutton because he went places that other people dared not go. He'll come to you regardless, regardless of what you've done. This is the heart of Jesus. He'll reach out to you. He'll reach out to you so you can come and be part of his kingdom and his world. So I thank you for joining us this morning. I agree with Brother Harb when he says or when we talk about being isolated and preaching onto a screen and, and preaching to, to people. It's just, it's just very different. Um, there's many things that you miss. I'm sure people have shared with us many things that you miss being with people at church. Um, you know, I miss little simple things. You know, when I get up to preach in the morning, I miss the simple things of the Sunday school children running past me ready to go to Sunday school. I just I love watching that enthusiasm for them to run past, ready to go after Sunday school. Just little things that you can't do, of course, when, when you're online. But nonetheless, God is, God is in control and God is still working. There's a verse in Thessalonians, I'll just read it out to you. But this is Paul who longed to see the faces of his people. He said this, he said, But we, brethren, having been taken away from you, taken away from you for a short time, he says, in presence, physically in presence, to, um, not in heart, he says, not in heart, endeavouring more eagerly to see your face with great desire, with great desire. So he says, you know what, for a short time, for a season, we've been taken away from seeing your face, but not in heart, because our heart still longs for you, our heart still prays for you, our heart still wants to connect with you. And so Paul had the same experience that we have in the church. Those who serve and those who minister, I'm sure, feel the same. That though in presence there's a season, in heart there is no gap. There is no distance. And, we, and our love for you, our love to, 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 to be with you, our love to help you still exists. So continue to reach out to us. Continue to connect with us. Continue to come to things that are happening. Uh, we, we love to see you. We love to see your faces. We love to hear your heart. We love to hear what you have to say. We love when people pray. 
with us in our prayer meetings. So please come and join us. And as Paul experienced that, I'm sure there's lots of people who are experiencing it for, for a season. Isolation is a weird concept, isn't it? It's a, very, it's a very weird concept because it's not God's design. It's not God's design that we would be separated. Yet for a season, as Paul said, it's permitted. It's something that's, that's going to happen. And no, I think if you, if you created a spectrum, I think there's people who would be experiencing all kinds of things with isolation. There are going to be people on one end that think, wow, you know what? I can learn things from this. I can build skills. I can start a new hobby. I can get out in the garden, whatever it is. There are, there are going to be people who are going to look at this and say, hey, this is not too bad. You know, I can do something good in this. But you know, reality there's going to be a whole stack of people on the other side of the spectrum that are saying, this is horrible. This feels wrong. I don't like this. I don't see people I love. I, don't, I don't, can't connect with people I, I want to connect with. I can't go to church. I can't be where I want to be. I, I'm stuck. And it feels very lonely. It feels hard. It feels hard. So there's going to be a whole spectrum. When they, they did some research and they found that, uh, one of the, str- the biggest stresses, the biggest stresses of people amongst a few things was not the ability or the, the uh, inability to see their family. That was one of the biggest stresses. Now, for sure, because this is God's design that we would be with family, that we would be in community. And the church family is no different. What great heartache when someone is sitting on their own, not really able to get out of their house often, perhaps not able to work, unfortunately, at the moment and feeling very, very alone. That's painful. That's very, very painful. And if you're in that position this morning, I'm going to ask you to to reach out to the Lord Jesus Christ and to reach out to your brothers and sisters because my suggestion to you this morning is this, you are never alone. And now I know that sounds cliche. I know it sounds everyone says that, but I want to share with you something in the scriptures this morning to all of us to see how how intimate our Saviour is with us, how much he is woven through every single thing in our life. It is absolutely incredible. In fact, the psalmist says that it's so amazing, I can't understand it, that God is so woven into every part of my life. Now, with that becomes such incredible opportunity, reflection, faithfulness, obedience, relationship, But with it also comes a sense of accountability and a sense of responsibility to make sure that when he is with us in every part of our lives, we are with him in everything that we do. In fact, what he does, he comes into our home and he he becomes Lord of every room in our life, in, in our home. There is nothing the Lord is not interested in. Isn't that amazing? Praise the Lord. There is nothing the Lord is not interested in. Do you know anyone who knows everything about you and is interested in being part of everything of your life to the point where your thoughts and your words, he knows? Like even before you speak them, he knows. Because this is the God who is so intimately woven into everything in our lives that he's calling us to walk with him and, yes, in responsibility and with, and with accountability. God is a faithful God. God is a God who never changes. Today, there are many people who are celebrating Easter for the second time. Um, many Greek people who are, who are um, uh, remembering the birth of uh, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to you, I say happy Easter as well. And isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful how we can always talk about the resurrection of Christ? Isn't it wonderful? Because it is our very reason why we live today. 
Remember last week I shared with you that because we don't see, our faith is so powerful. We believe without seeing. And I wonder during the week where you tested or you experienced that faith is most powerful when you don't see because you believe. And today we continue to reflect on, or we can, we, again, we can say how Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he continues to live today. You know, Jesus said before he left this earth, Jesus told his disciples something very, very significant. He said, you know, I'm going, I'm going, but I will be with you until the end of the age, Matthew 28. I'll be with you until the end of the age. In other words, today, he is still with us. He is still present. He is still working. In fact, all authority has been given to him. So when we think about the resurrection of Christ, we know it's not a one-off event. We know it's not about the day. We know it's not about the dates. What we know about is the power of the resurrection that is working in your life and it's working in my life. This is the true celebration of Christ. The people look and they think, wow, Jesus Christ is still alive because he's alive in you and he's alive in me. That's the testimony of Christians today. Isn't that wonderful? So, okay, you may not have an Easter Sunday, but I tell you what, every day you live, you live Easter. You live what it is to be a Christian. You live what it means to be in the power of the resurrection because God is not a God who says, you know what? Uh, I've done my job, I'll I'll sit on my couch and I'll just watch the world from my TV. That's not a God. God is still intimately and woven into every part of our lives. In fact, the Bible tells us, I think in Psalm 121, that he is a God that never sleeps nor slumbers. Do you know what that means? That God is always, always looking, caring, watching, fixing, doing what he has to do because there's no time in God, there's no time in God that he says, oh, it's time for a rest. Remember when the prophet Elijah was having a a spiritual battle with the prophets of Baal in the Old Testament. And here they were, and the the competition was, or the task was, bring that fire from heaven and consume the water on the altar, consume the gift on the altar. And, of course, the prophets of Baal went first, and they just couldn't do it. They were calling out. They were cutting themselves. They were trying to make sure this fire came down from Baal to prove that their God was stronger than the God of Israel. And what did Elijah say? Hey, why don't you cry out louder? Maybe he is asleep. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Elijah knew. His God is a God who never sleeps nor slumbers. He's a God that in a moment he's able to answer and prove and demonstrate that he is mighty and he is strong. Beloved, let the devil say what he wants to say. Let the enemy come and attack you as much as he wants. But our God reigns and our God lives and our God is Lord. He's no more, he's sorry, he's no less Lord today than he was when he rose from the grave. Amen. And so we come to him as his church and we say, Lord, Thank you. Thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for the gift of what you did for me. Thank you for the gift of your blood. So I want to read this morning from a passage in Psalm, Psalm 139. If you can open up your Bibles to Psalm 139. And I want to read uh, some verses. We won't, we won't read through all of it. We'll read through um, uh, probably most of it, but not all of it. Uh, I want to read through Psalm 139 and, and just, just kind of briefly share with you some thoughts um, around around this this psalm, and these opportunities um, in psalm, we'll, we'll see from psalm some of the beautiful ways that God is involved in our lives. But these opportunities that we have at the moment, these opportunities of isolation, of course, they bring themselves some some uh, opportunities for us, but they also bring themselves some some challenges. And um, one of the one of the challenges that they'll bring with us. 
And I want you to listen to this very, very carefully. One of the challenges that isolation will bring to you and to me is that we would distance ourselves further than what we have to, that we would become uh, a little bit unaccountable. We would become a little bit um, remote so that we uh, start to do things that we probably wouldn't normally do because we're with the same people all the time. We're not really seeing new people. No one's really watching us. No one's kind of around us. And we can start to become very comfortable or relaxed, let our guards down and find ourselves doing things that we wouldn't normally do because we're kind of remote from everything and other people. We, we see ourselves a little bit less accountable. This is wrong, Christian. It's very wrong. It's very wrong to get into this mindset that you become a little bit less, um, you have a little bit less self-control with your words, especially to your loved ones around you. You know, if you're experiencing cabin fever, fever, you need to go to the Lord and bring it to Jesus. If you're finding it really hard to always be with the people around you, you need to yell out, um, you need to cry out rather to the Lord and ask the Lord, you need to help me with them, with my words. And so, so we can become a little bit um, less self-controlled with our words. We can become a little bit um, uh, careless with our actions because kind of who's watching us? We're kind of just all alone or we're just with a few people or these people know me, they're my family. So we can become a little bit uh, um, uh, casual or we can, get, we can become a little bit casual with the things we watch and we listen to because it's like, you know what, I've got a lot of time on my hands and I'm a bit bored. Um, I don't know what else to do. And so we can become a little bit too casual with the things we listen to and the things we watch and it really must not be. You see, because the Lord is so woven into our lives that we are still very accountable. Whether one person's in the house, whether no people are in the house, or whether there's stacks of people in the house, we are still very accountable. See, the beautiful thing about accountability is this. When I think myself to be accountable, I think myself is that God is in my life. God is in my life. God is with me wherever I go. Therefore, I will fulfill the commitment I have made to him. The beautiful thing about accountability is that People can keep me accountable. You know, my family, they'll keep me accountable. In other words, I, they don't need to say anything, but just my, my time with them will make me accountable. I need to make sure that I'm a certain way because they are with me. But you know what, brothers and sisters, even without them being there, my love for God and my knowledge of his love for me knows that I must stay accountable wherever I am. Whatever I'm doing, whether someone's watching me or someone's not watching me, I live the same because Christ lives in me. Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So I could travel the world without my family and I'm just as accountable to them, the other side of the world, because I love God. He is with me. And so my love for my family keeps me accountable to them, whether I'm with them or not with them, because, I might, because of my love for God. That, that, that is the strongest sense of accountability. Me and God, God and me. So brothers and sisters, whether you're on your own, whether you're with people, whether you're just with one person, at the end of the day, the Lord is present. The Lord is present. And so you must remain accountable to him. You must enjoy the presence of the Lord. You must be careful of the things that will keep you unaccountable. And so you will distance yourself further and you think to yourself, I'll slip in and slip out of Zoom because no one's going to really notice. Or maybe I won't go every week to Zoom because no one sees my face. I've just got iPhone instead of my name. And so the temptation to make Zoom a very comfortable way to stay unaccountable is wrong. 
What I'm not saying you've got to, you've got to change your name, to, but I'm just talking about the heart. You can keep iPhone if you want, but the heart, the heart behind it, where you think, you know what? How can I keep myself unaccountable and remote? Let's just slip in and slip out, and nobody's going to notice. Yes, the Lord notices, and He pains over you because you're in pain. You're in pain. You, 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 you don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. You're calling out, but you're not calling out. You're reaching out, but then you're not reaching out. And so God sees this and he wants to come to places. He wants to come to a place where no one else dares to go. He wants to come to you. He wants to come into your heart. He wants to come into your life. He wants to be woven in to every part of your life. And this is what we see beautifully um, in this passage. The Bible tells us that there is no creature, no creature is hidden in the sight of God. Did you understand that? Hebrews 4 tells us that there is no creature hidden in the sight from the sight of God. Look around you. Look around you. Every single person that exists, the person to the next, to the left and right of you now, the person, your neighbor, up the road, everyone is not, no one is hidden from God's sight, whether they are Christian or not Christian. Listen to the next part of this verse. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. You understand? Everyone, every knee is going to bow, but every Christian is going to also have to give an account. In other words, what the Bible is saying is this. God sees everything. What are you hiding from him? <laughs> what, are you, what are you trying to hide? What are you trying to prove by saying, you know what, if I do this secretly, if I do this kind of in a closed room, or if I do this when no one's watching me, I'm safe. That's foolishness because the Bible says God sees everything and he sees it and he says this, what are you doing? Why are you bringing yourself to this place? Why are you lowering yourself to a place where I've come to lift you up? I've come to bring you out of that. I've come to break that free. I've come to make you much better than this because I've come to make you like my son. And anything less, you are robbing yourself of the very thing that God has made you for. This is not God's design to be watching things that aren't helping you. This isn't God's design to be speaking in ways that isn't helping you. God's design is that you would be like his son and in this you have life and have it more abundantly. This is God's design. And so the Bible says everything is exposed and everything is naked. You can wear as many masks as you like and you can put on as many cloaks as you like. But at the end of the day, God's love for you sees through it all. And thank God for that. Because if I try and hide things, it's only going to destroy my soul. It's like the man who has a T-shirt and he stains his T-shirt and he says to himself, you know what, what am I going to do? Rather than bring it to a place where it can be cleaned, he takes it off, he turns it inside out and he puts it back on again. And all of a sudden he thinks, yes, I'm clean, I'm good, I'm better, no one's going to notice. But at the end of the day, people see his tag hanging out in the back, people see the lining of his shirt, and they think, what's wrong with this guy? Doesn't he realise he's, he's inside out, he's upside down. What's he doing trying to cover up the things that are going on deep within? And so God is the same, God's saying, come on, take it off, give it to me, I will give you, I'll give you clothes as white as snow. Amen. I'll give you clothes. Though your sins will be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Why are you running when God wants to be woven into your life? You know the saying, you can run, but you can't hide. It's with God. Where are you going to run? Where are you going to run and hide from God? Where did Adam run and hid from God? God sees beforehand and he says, come, come, my child, come. I see and because I see, I want to heal. I want to heal. Do you have regrets? The Lord wants to heal. 
Do you have pain? The Lord wants to heal. Are you sorry for something you've done? The Lord wants to heal. Have you done something that you are so ashamed of you haven't told anyone? Nobody knows. The Lord wants to heal. And by doing this, God knows, listen, my friend, my child, he says, look, the only person really you have sinned against at the end of the day is me. Come to me and allow me to, give, to, to be everything in your life, but you have to give me all your heart. No more running. No more running. Give me all your heart. Give me all your life. Give me everything you are and allow me to demonstrate myself powerful. Stop being jealous. Stop uh, being angry. Stop uh, being spiteful. Stop finding fault in other people. Come and give me all your heart. And allow me to fight to bring healing into your life. The psalmist David somehow knew uh, wonderfully, wonderfully what we experience today. And that is the most precious gift of God being part of our lives. Let's read briefly this psalm together. Psalm, psalm 130, um, Psalm 139. Let's just uh, look at verses verses 1 to 5 to start with. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. That could mean afar meaning from a long time ago you knew my thoughts, or that could mean um, um, God, God. there's no distance with God. It's not like God can say, oh, what did you say? What did you uh, inquire? God, God knows from afar. Wherever he is, he's like he's with you. Or it could also mean that before you even think him, he knows. But nonetheless, God is so woven into every part of your life that even your thought life is not a gift from God. Isn't that beautiful? Now, some of you, you might think, whoa, oh, I don't want my thought life known by God. But no, listen, you've got it all wrong. God, You need God to know your thought life because God will expose so that he can heal. You understand? He wants to heal. He's not doing anything thinking, oh, I got you. I got you. I saw your thoughts. And, and that's why I'm going to send you to hell. No, God sees it. So he says, you know what? This is not how I designed you. Come and be healed. Come and be healed of this. Be set free from thoughts that bind your hearts. Be set free from this. So he goes and says, no more thoughts, I'm afar off. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. You know, this word is a beautiful word, acquainted. Do you know when... Um, you don't know something. You need to do something, maybe you know, at your car or your garden or work, and, and you then, because you don't know, where do you go? You go to an expert. You go to someone who knows. You go to someone who is familiar with something, someone who's familiar with that object. You go and you say, look, I don't know, but this is what's happening. And the guy looks at it and says, I know the problem. This is what, this is what the psalmist is saying. You are acquainted with all my ways. You know me so well that you are now an expert that you can now help me. The Lord says, you know what? I came. I came in the flesh like man. I came and I experienced what it meant to be tempted in every way like man. I knew and have experienced what it means to have felt sin wanting to, to come out of me. I, 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 got, I was familiar with gossip. I was familiar with accusations. I was familiar with desires. I was familiar with all these things that wanted to come out of me. And because I overcame them, I cried out. And the Father heard me because of godly fear. I cried out and he saved me. He goes, now also we have a high priest that understands this today. We have a high priest that says, hey, you know what? I get it. 
I know what you're feeling. I know what you're experiencing. I know how strong that temptation can get, but I overcame. And so I'm an expert. I'm going to help you overcome as well. That's the gift of God. And he says, you are acquainted. You are familiar to the point where you are now an expert because you can now help me with what you know about me. Praise the Lord. Who, who, who is like our God? That he would lower himself to the point where he wanted to become like us and so that he can understand us and now become a merciful high priest that can come, we can come before him and he can help us overcome every sin in our life. There is nothing that Jesus says, no, too hard, I can't do this. Because he felt it himself. Now, brothers and sisters, if this does not encourage us, then there's no other truth I can share with you this morning. I apologize. There's no other truth because Jesus came to set us free, but he came like us to show us the way. Amen. And so the psalmist says, you're acquainted with all my ones. You're familiar to the point where you can benefit me. He's just over and in. Verse 4, that even before, listen, even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Even before I speak, when I'm in isolation, there are people around me and, 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 and it's going to be a difficult day because everyone's going to be on top of each other. Even before I speak, Lord, you know the words that I'm going to say. So the Lord is understanding and perhaps he's moving scenarios so that he doesn't allow you to be tempted more than you can handle. So you can come to him and call out to him and say, Lord, before I say this, I need your help. And he will. That's the beauty. He will. Will it mean you need to self-deny and suffer in the flesh so you don't actually say the things that you know are going to hurt someone else? Absolutely. Because the Bible tells us this. When we suffer in the flesh, we cease from sin. The Bible tells us that there is a need to be denying ourselves. So it's not about you, but it's about Jesus living in you. We want to stay faithful and we want to stay accountable. We can't do this in our own strength. We can't do it in our own strength. We can't wake up one morning and say, I'm going to stay faithful and I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay accountable. No, the Lord says this, come, bring yourself before me. Deny who you are and allow Jesus to live in you. Self-denial is the pathway. It's the pathway to holiness and the pathway of righteousness. To walk in the footsteps of Jesus cannot be done in your shoes. It must be done in his shoes. And don't worry about what size it is, because whatever size God wants it to be, it's for you to fulfill. You will fulfill his shoe size, if you like, because you are denying yourself. This is the gift of God, to walk in the shoes of Jesus, in the feet of Jesus. And so the, Bible, the psalmist says, you know even this before, verse 5, you hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. This, I think, I believe is the protection of God. And that's why he says in verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Such knowledge, I just can't fathom this knowledge. It's just beyond my capacity to understand that you look after me, that you know me, that you know when I sit down, when I get up, when I go out, when I stay in, my thoughts, my words, Lord, is there anything about me you don't know? He says, no. That's why I love you and that's why I'm asking you, come, come. Make sure I'm part of everything of your life because I may know all these things, but you may try still to distance yourself from me. Give me all your heart. Why are you running? You see, it's foolishness. It's foolishness to live without God. It's foolishness to think that you somehow can escape God, run from him, 
avoid him, uh, hide from him. It's actually foolishness. We see it in the scriptures, but it's foolishness not only to say there is no God, because that's what the Bible says, but to go another step further and say, I can live my life without God. That is also foolishness and very, very dangerous. It's like the man who's the lone ranger wearing his mask and saying, you know what, I'm the lone ranger, I'll do things my way. In other words, what he's saying is this, I will do what I want to do and nobody can tell me what they want for me to do. I'll do it my way. I'll do the things the way I want to do it. And the Bible calls this, if you like, well, the Bible refers to this kind of way as dangerous. And I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters, it's foolish. It's foolish to, to rob yourself and to think somehow you can live your way apart from God. Because what happens is this. People say this. People say, my way is good. What, what's wrong with my way? My way is not any good. My way is right. Who says, who says my way can't be right? Who says my way can't be the right way? And people, what they do is they find themselves in this trap, is they find themselves saying, you know what, I think I know what I can do and I think I've got it worked out. But they don't realise what's happening is the devil, can I say, the devil is slowly, you know, like a fishing, like when, going for a, uh, when you're catching fish, is slowly bringing you in. And you've got this hook in your mouth and you're thinking to yourself, oh, I'm still swimming. It's great. It's fantastic. I'm still in the water. I should be okay. I'm in a little bit of a bother at the moment, but I'll get out. And the devil's just really, 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 and eventually he gets you and all of a sudden you find yourself, you've been caught. You've been caught in the grip of the enemy. And so this foolishness, it's foolishness to think to yourself, I can live life without God. Because the Bible says this, there is a way. There is a way that men and women think is right. There is a way that people say, yeah, this is right. But the end of it is death. In other words, it's going to destroy you. So you can run off and do what you want to do. You can run off and live your fancy life. You can run off and, and, and enjoy the pleasures of things, thinking, oh, you know what? I've got to enjoy my life. You know? But if it's outside the will of God, if, it's outside, if they are pleasures that are against the holiness of God, you are destroying yourself. And don't think God doesn't see it. Doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter which country you're in, doesn't matter which suburb you're in, doesn't matter which home you're in, God sees this because He's so woven into everything that we do. Nothing is hid from the hands of God or the eyes of God. So come to Him and say, Lord, listen, I can't, I've tried to live my life without you. You might be, you might be 15 years old, you might be 85 years old, I don't know. But Lord, I've tried to live my life without you. I've tried to please my friends. I've tried to make people happy. I've tried to do things the way work wants me to do it. I've tried to do things the way my husband or my wife wants me to do it. But at the end of the day, what I'm realizing, Lord, more and more, that I can't live my life without you. I need to surrender once and for all to the way of Jesus Christ. I need to surrender. Listen, don't do it because um, uh, people are asking you to do it. Don't do it because I'm asking you to do it. Don't wait for others to do it so you think, oh, if they do it, I'll do it. No, do it because this morning the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and saying this, you have been running from God too long. If the Holy Spirit, you know deep within you, if the Holy Spirit is saying to you, you have been running from God way too long, and this isolation thing, maybe it's a little bit convenient, but you've been running from God and now it's time to stop. It's to stop and say, Lord, I need you. Come and be Lord of every part of my life. This is what life is, and this is life more abundantly. The psalmist, the psalmist understood this very, very clearly because he understood that if you neglect your creator, if you neglect your creator, you reject life. 
you reject life. Oh, you can live and you can breathe and you can say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm good at this and I'm good at that. But listen, very simply, if you neglect your creator, you reject life. You reject life. The psalmist <laughs> didn't, want to re- didn't want to neglect his creator. He wanted his creator in everything. Um, and, and so he, he understood. And I'll, I just want to share just a, just a, a couple of more sections. In verse 7, uh, he says this, Where shall I go from your spirit? And where shall I flee from your presence? He says, If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the winds of the morning and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. The Bible is very clear. You can't go anywhere. The psalmist says, you are so involved in my life, Lord. I love you. You have loved me. You are so involved in my life that wherever I go, wherever I go, Lord God, you are going to be there. That even when darkness tries to come, it's light to you. Your protection, your presence, your hand, your providence, your understanding, all these things is, is, is going to be who I am. And so the Lord, where I am, and so the Lord is saying, you know what, I'm so involved in your life. Come, give, you, give me every part of your life. And listen, don't think I can't see it. Keep yourself accountable to me as, as, much, as much as keep yourself faithful to me. When I'm faithful to the Lord, I think of faithful being very simple. I think of faithful saying, God, because I, uh, so God, you said something to you, asking me of something, and because I love you, I'll do it. I'll do it. Because I love you, I'll do it. And so God is keeping us accountable, or, or rather calling us to be faithful uh, in this time. Don't isolate yourself any further, brothers and sisters. The Bible tells us in, um, in Proverbs, it says this, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Proverbs 18. What it's saying is this, when you take yourself further away from people around you and, and you no longer want to be accountable, you want to do things your way. You, want, you reckon your way is better and you isolate yourself and say, you know what, I hear what you have to say, but I reckon I know what I'm doing. See you later. If you isolate yourself, you break out against all sound judgment. People are saying to you things, what are you doing? You're destroying your home. You're destroying your marriage. You're destroying your friendship. You're destroying your life. What are you doing? And you say, no, because I want it this way. I want to do it this way. What are you doing? He says, you are breaking out against all sound judgment. And this is very dangerous. You need to make sure, brothers and sisters, that you keep yourself accountable, even through Zoom, even through isolation. You need to stay connected. It's really, really important because the more you stay on your own and the more you say, you know what, I can avoid people now and I can avoid being accountable now because Zoom's really easy for me to do this. No one's going to really, really know. You rob yourself because the more you stay connected, the more you are blessed. Isn't it true that you are more blessed when you give than receive? So you need to think to yourself, Lord, how can I give even in these times? How do I wash my brother's feet even in this time? Because it is possible to still stay connected and to bless others through who you are, through all kinds of means where people are blessed because you have given to them. And it is more blessed to give. Don't think to yourself for one moment that because you are distant from someone, you can't give to them. It is still today more blessed to give than to receive. You need to say, Lord, my life is yours. 
How can you, through me, give to this person rather than me say, I'm going to hide myself away and, and when this all is all this over, I'll, I'll come out and, and be a Christian again. No, that's foolishness. God is calling you now to step up and say, Lord, if Christ lives in me, every phone call, every text, every post, every cook, meal I cook, whatever it is, the money that comes in, Lord, how can I use it to bless other people in this time? How can I use it so that others can hear the gospel, hear the message, and be set free? This is the truth of the Lord, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, if you want to find something to do, let me read this quote from, for, to you from Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence was a guy, a man who wrote the book uh, Practicing the Presence of God. He wrote this. He says, if you're, so if you're interested in wanting to occupy yourself, listen to this. He says, let us occupy ourselves entirely, entirely in knowing God. The more we know him, the more we will desire to know him. As love increases with knowledge, the more we know God, the more we will truly love him. We will learn to love him equally in times of distress and in times of great joy. Isn't that beautiful? The more we know him, the more we desire. Tell me, Christian, isn't that your experience? It's not your experience if you're walking away from God. It's not your experience if your heart is hard. In fact, there might be people this morning that are listening to me saying, you know what, this is ridiculous. I'm going. I'm going. I don't, want, I don't want to be told that I have to give all my heart to God. I don't want to be told that I have to surrender all my life to God. That's fine. You can go. Many people walked away from Jesus. Jesus spoke. They walked away. Jesus spoke. They walked away. But those who are hungry came, and those who are hungry had life. I'll never know if you click end meeting or leave. I'll never know. But the Lord knows. Because all is open in his sight. All is open. He's going to call you. He's going to call you. Maybe this was the last chance for him to call you. And so the Lord is calling us all to this. Brother Lawrence is saying to us, occupy yourselves in the things of God. The more you know him, the more you love him. It's like my marriage. The more I know my wife, the more I spend time with my wife, the more I want to be with her. There's no difference with God. No difference with God. The more we know him, the more we understand him, the more we desire him. God is faithful. God is faithful. And finally, verses 17 and 18. Uh, sorry, from verse 16. The Bible says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, as, as, when as yet there was none of them. Yes, yeah, so God wrote all our days in a book before we even existed because he wove us in our mother's womb and he, and he knew every day that was going to be ahead of us. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them, verse 17. If I were to count them, they'd be more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. You know, God is so much in love with you. He's so much that he says, what are you doing? Come and give me all your heart. You wake up, God's thinking about you. You go to bed, God's thinking about you. You're sleeping on your bed and God's thinking about you. In fact, he thinks so much about you, the psalmist says, that if you add up all his thoughts, all the sand couldn't add up to that number. This is how much God is thinking about you. This is how much God is wanting to be part of your life because God is watching everything that you do. No matter where you are, no matter what you do, this is why the great men of God in the Bible understood this. They understood that no matter what they did, God was watching. Remember Joseph? When Joseph had everything that Potiphar gave him in the Old Testament, 
And then Potiphar's wife had an evil eye for him and wanted to seduce him. What did Joseph say when she came again and again and again? What did Joseph say to him? What are you doing to me? My master's given me everything except you. You can't be doing this to me. And he says something beautiful. He says, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against not your master, but God? So Joseph knew, listen, Joseph knew, even though he was in a foreign land and he was probably feeling still hurt by his brother selling him because, you know, sometimes when we feel pain and hurt, we go off and we do silly things. If we feel let down or resentful, we can go off and do silly, silly things, regretful things. We let our guards down. Wrong. Joseph was in a foreign land. He was probably still thinking about what his brothers did to him, selling him, selling him. He was in a place where he had everything. But what he didn't have was this woman who wanted him. And he said, you know what? I can't do it. I can't do it. How can I do this great sin against God? Because God is with me. He's watching me. Remember when David, David sinned against God with Bathsheba? What did he say to God in his prayer? He said, God, to you and to you alone have I done this evil in your sight. Did he hurt people? Yes. Did he understand the effects on people? Yes. But he knew at the heart of the matter, the one he really offended was the one who loved him so much, and that was God. And he said, that's why he says, against you and only you, Lord, have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. Brothers and sisters, our prayer should be like the psalmist says says this, that the words of my mouth and that the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. That's to be accountable. There's a, there's a, there's a, um, uh, like a poster or, or a print that people put up in their house sometimes. It says this. It says, Christ the head of the home, the unseen guest of every meal, the silent listener to every conversation. It's just everything I'm saying this morning. Because he is there, we are to be faithful and we are to be accountable. You are not alone. You are not alone. And this brings God's love and protection and care, but it also brings your um, accountability and faithfulness, a faithfulness to the Lord. So brothers and sisters, Use this time. Can I, can I suggest? I'll finish with this. Use this time to build your faith. Don't run. When it gets hard, use this time to build your faith. God is woven into every part of your life. Use this time not to run further, not to isolate yourself further, not to hide yourself further, but to come and make yourself known where, where it is need to be known. Bring it before the Lord and allow yourself to build your faith in this time. Learn what it means to deny yourself. Learn what it means to stay accountable to God. Because there's going to be lots of times you think to yourself, but I just want to do this. Now use this time to build your faith. At the end of this psalm, the psalmist says something beautiful to God. At the beginning, he says, you've searched me. And again, he says, search me, O God. Is there anything in me that's grievous, that's wrong, and bring me in the right path again? Because what the psalmist is saying to God is this, you are so intricately woven into my life that if anything in my heart is going to take me away from this incredible love, please show it to me, Lord. Please show it to me and bring me back to the place I should be. And this is a time that God has given us, I believe, to stop, to pause, and, and, and to be careful in the things we do. Be careful with your words, for example. 
Be careful with your words. Remember the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. If you're at home and it's getting all too much and there's a, a fight, build your faith. Go to bed having sorted it out. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Use this time to build your faith. When you're tempted to listen to things that aren't good for you, when you're tempted to watch things that aren't good for you, build your faith and let self-denial be the the path to his holiness and gird up, as the Bible says, the loins of your mind and don't allow anything in your heart and your mind that's going to reach your heart, that's going to destroy your life, that's going to rob you from the things of God. Use his time, beloved, to build this faith. Martin Luther, I'll finish with this, Martin Luther um, has been known, it's not documented, but has been known to have said that if he knew the world would end tomorrow, he would plant a tree. He would plant a tree. In other words, I just keep doing what I'm doing because what I'm doing is pleasing to God. And so whether it's isolation or no isolation, uh, God is uh, still as much as involved in your life and watching your life as he was before. Let this be your providence, your protection, your overwhelming sense of love, but let it also be your faithfulness and your accountability that you may stay on the path that is narrow and enjoy continually and daily the presence of God. May the Lord Jesus Christ bless you, keep you, and make his face to shine upon you. Let me pray for us together as as a fellowship. Our loving Father, we thank you, Lord God, that there is... Not a place in this world that we can go that you don't see, that you don't know, and that you don't understand what is happening. You get us, Lord. You get what we're going through. You get what we're feeling. You get our experiences. And if we were to add up every thought that you have about us, (laughs) the sand, the sand wouldn't add up to all that. And I just thank you so much, God. Lord, we come before you. We come to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. Despite the challenges and the obstacles, we trust. We trust you that you are, Lord God, still very present for us and you are still our very present helper. We give you every part of our lives, Lord God. And for those this morning, Lord God, that might be running from you or hiding from you, I pray that you draw them out by your love, heal them, forgive them, and reassure them of your care and protection for them. We thank you and pray, Lord God, for for this church. We thank you for the people who are honest, that open their hearts to you and to each other. We pray that you bring healing where healing is needed. Thank you, Lord. Bless this week ahead of us in the fellowship that we have and all that we do in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.